0: The grace and peace of Christ be with you.
1: And also with you.
0: Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church. And especially if you're new with us today, we're so glad that you're here. There should be a friendship pad on each pew near the center aisle. And we'd love to have you take it, fill it out, and let us know that you're here today, whether you're regular or whether you're new with us. Pass it down so everybody else gets a chance to sign it too. There's uh, news about the life in our, of our church uh, in the connections, which is inside the bulletin. You'll see that we have a field trip that is planned this coming Friday to the Japanese American National Museum in Los Angeles to look at some of the information there about the Japanese internment during World War II. Some of us heard Steve Yamaguchi and his mother talk about that experience in the camps yesterday there are about 50 of us there to hear that and whether you were part of that or not you'd love to have you be part of the field trip there are just three spots left we're gonna take the train in and spend the day in Los Angeles near pretty near City Hall uh, also on the inside of connections you'll see that our MOPS group mothers of preschoolers will be starting soon there's information there about how you can sign up so if you are the mom or if you know a mom of any child from pre-birth, even pregnancy, to um, kindergarten age. It is a group for those people, and it is a group for their children also. So it is good to sign up soon, especially if they need child care. So tell your friends, anybody that you know about that. It is a wonderful way to meet other parents and to get to be together and talking about what it's like to be raising kids together. There are many things... That will be going on this fall in adult education that are listed there. We won't start signing up for those till next week, so you have a chance to read them through and see what might be a good fit for you. And our outreach committee is accepting donations today, money donations today, to buy supplies for school supplies for the children of our Camp Pendleton Marines. That will be going on this week and the next couple of weeks. And there's an opportunity, if you would like to contribute to an orphanage fund and also have a fun time at the same time to go sailing with Susie Campbell. That's a ministry that she does. You go sailing with her and all the money that you give her is a donation that she turns over to a fund for an orphanage. So that would be a fun thing to do here at the end of the summer. The flowers this morning are celebrating the 49th anniversary of Jackie and Brian Pearson. So we congratulate them. 49 years. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
2: Let us pray. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or you had formed the earth and the universe from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We praise you for the power you've shown in creating all things. We thank you for your love in redeeming us and creating us anew in Christ. We humbly ask you to encourage us this morning with your steadfast love so we may rejoice and be filled with your hope by the strength of your Holy Spirit. We pray this now in Christ's name. Amen.
0: The psalmist comes to the gate of God's temple eager to come in and to worship him. And in our call to worship, we join him this morning. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good His steadfast love endures forever.
1: Open Open to us us the the gates gates of righteousness, righteousness, that we we may enter
0: enter through them and and give thanks thanks to the Lord. Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. We We thank thank you that you you have answered answered us and and have become our salvation. salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us stand and praise God together.
1: Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the fear of doubt away. Fill us, Lord, with the light of day.
3: Joyful joy.
1: The say I am strong, but the poor say I am rich.
3: Jesus and rose again,
1: Jesus died and rose again. Church, great is the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Amen. My soul longs for the Lord in a weary land. The wells are dry, I am empty dust in my hands. Oh, how I yearn for streams of mercy, where my soul can be restored. Come and drink, Jesus tells me. Come and drink, and thirst no more. Oh, the fullness of Christ We'll teach it to you and then I'll invite you to sing verse one with us again. My soul longs for the Lord
4: When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountains. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light
0: of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let
4: us pray together. God, you placed us in the world to be its salt.
0: We are afraid of committing ourselves, afraid of being stained by the world. We do not want to hear what they might have to say. And our salt dissolves as if in water. Forgive Forgive us, us, Jesus.
4: God, you placed us in the world to be its light.
0: We are afraid of the shadows, afraid of poverty, We do not want to know other people's struggles, and our light slowly fades away. Forgive
3: Forgive us, us, Jesus.
4: Jesus. God, you placed us in the world to live in community.
0: Thus you taught us to love, to share in life, to struggle for bread and justice, your truth incarnate in our life. So hear us as we bring to you the silent confessions of our hearts.
4: For we pray through Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. So lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called.
0: With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace.
4: There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one
0: faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. This This is is the the good good news we we proclaim proclaim. in Jesus Christ. Christ, We We are are forgiven. forgiven. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Amen.
2: I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 15. I believe it's on page 163 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. Hear now God's word. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we confess as your people that we do show up here this morning dry and empty. You've promised us that you are the God of all creation, God of the Word, God of our lives, and it's our prayer this morning that you will give us a hunger, a deep hunger for your scriptures, a deep hunger to know more of you, so that we might be filled with the very hope that you provide through Jesus Christ. So we call out and ask for hope this morning. We ask this now in Jesus' name, amen. The weekend after school got out this year, I took a group of our high schoolers and leaders up to San Francisco for a three-day service trip. The goal of our trip was to develop a heart for the city. I've been reading a book by Tim Keller, and he's been saying, make sure that you have a heart for the city. So my hope for each leader, for each student, is that we would develop a heart for the city of San Francisco. We decided to do this by being servants of God. Our trip started here in the back lot of Laguna Presbyterian Church. We got our rides over to John Wayne Airport, boarded our flight, landed at San Francisco Airport, and once we landed on the tarmac, we had to wait for almost an hour. It turns out that Air Force One had landed before us. I guess they get priority. So we had to close all the shades on our windows. We stayed there on the tarmac. Air Force One made its way over to the right, and everyone disembarked, and then we were able to disembark from the plane. We got our rental van, got on the freeway, took that turn off there for downtown San Francisco, and we moved at a snail's pace. It took us about an hour and a half to just travel about three or four miles we found out that the National Mayor's Convention was happening at the Hyatt, (laughs) just a half a block from the hostel we'd be staying at, and that President Obama was their headline speaker that night. You've got San Francisco traffic, and now you have all this kind of traffic. What an evening. That evening, we attended an Angels versus Oakland A's baseball game at Oakland Coliseum. Yes, the Angels won. The next morning, we woke up, and we served over 300 people, 300 homeless people, lunch at St. Martin Mission. It's the picture you have on the front of your bulletin there. In the afternoon, we took a tour of Alcatraz. That evening, we had dinner at Chinatown. We took a night tour of San Francisco, finishing with dessert at Ben & Jerry's on the corner of Hayton and Ashbury. And then we had a good night's sleep. The next morning is what I was really looking forward to. Not getting up at 6.30 in the morning, but it was our opportunity to serve breakfast to over 900 homeless people at Glide Memorial Methodist Church in the Tenderloin District. As we showed up there at 6.30, we were lined up just like this. The foreman of the operation, and they have an operation there, they know exactly what they're doing, went down the line and gave each of us our assignments. As he's making his way down the line, I'm thinking to myself, I hope I get the same job I had two years ago, a coffee pour. (laughs) I love being the coffee pour. You get to walk around. I can keep an eye on our students, make sure they're doing okay, talk with different homeless people. I get to hear some stories. It's what I was hoping for again. But just as the foreman was making his way down the line, this huge guy, this cook, came out from the back of the kitchen. He looked at me, looked at my name tag, and he said, Steve, have I got a job for you today. Come with me to the back of the kitchen. We walked to the back of the kitchen, and Jonathan said, Steve, This morning, you're going to cook over 1,000 pieces of chicken. (sighs) I put on my apron. I put on my nice hairnet. Many people made fun of me for that hairnet, but I made it cool. Jonathan showed me exactly what to do. So you start with this big bowl of chicken, and there were many bowls. You pour it in this big box of spices, and you get those chicken pieces in there, and you work those spices. You take those pieces of chicken one by one, and you put it in the hot fryer. Make sure you don't burn yourself. And after you put those chickens in there, you wait about 15 to 20 minutes. Once the chicken rises to the surface, it tells you it's done. You take this huge spoon that's porous, you pick up the chicken, pour it in the vat, and then you start all over again. I'm going to confess, the first batch, I'm doing this. I don't want to get my shoes going and my hair going, but by the time I got to the third batch, I'm in there. I'm really going for it. I'm getting making sure every piece of chicken is covered with that delectable powder. And Jonathan walked up to me after that third batch, and he said, Steve, I want to warn you, by the time that you are done, you will smell like fried chicken for the rest of the day. (laughs) You're going to have to shower at least two or three times. You're going to have to put those clothing through the wash a couple of times. But in the meantime, throughout the day, you will be covered with one of the most blessed scents in all of the world. By the end of that shift, I was saturated with the scent of chicken. It permeated my skin and my clothes. And for the rest of the day, I took notice of everybody's reactions and comments. When we went upstairs for the worship service that day, there were people I did not know sitting next to me. They'd take one sniff and they'd look at me. What has this guy been doing? We were in the rental van. One of our leaders, who I I like, said, What's that smell? Are we a Kentucky Fried Chicken? We were sitting at the airport. A student looked at me and said, What kind of cologne is that? Is that Call of the Wild? My wife picked me up for the airport. She said, Well, I'm looking forward to the story behind that aroma. And there was even a guy waiting behind me in line for that Southwest flight. And when he got up close to me, he goes, whoa! (laughs) God bless him. The one comment I remember and I enjoyed most of all was my son's. When he took the seat next to me on the airplane, he said, Dad, sitting next to you is making me hungry. Now as that plane took off and I was leaning back in my chair hoping for some extra leg room, my son's comment caused me to ponder some questions for that next hour. I thought to myself, what do I really hunger for? Not chicken, that's for sure. But what kinds of things in my life do I really hunger for? What do we hunger for as Christians? What do you hunger for most in your life right now? Hmm. I thought, how do we feed that hunger? When people spend time with us, when people sit next to you, when they are standing in line behind you, what would they think that you hunger most for in life? And by our example... What might they hunger for? And then my questions went even deeper, and there's one I thought about for most of the hour of the flight. What should the church hunger for most of all? Think about that right now. How would you answer that question? What should the church hunger for most of all? this is a pressing question for our time, isn't it? How a church answers that very question will have everything to do with how their people respond to God and to people. It will have everything to do with how a church ministers to their community. It will have every difference in the world in how they answer and live out that question. As I read Romans 15 over and over again throughout the week with the help of the Apostle Paul, the answer to that question became more and more clear to me. It's important to start with the context of this chapter. There's a lot in that chapter. And that chapter relates to the chapter before, chapter 14. Paul was speaking to a very diverse group of people. He was speaking to one diverse congregation. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. There were the strong and there were the weak. There were the rich and there were the poor. At the one end of the spectrum, you had the highly devoted Jew that knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. They knew that Old Testament like the back of their hand. On the other end of the spectrum, you had a depraved, idolatrous Gentile sitting there with them who had no idea what the Old Testament was about. On the one end of the spectrum, you had those who were strictly adhering to Old Testament ceremonial laws, things like food and what you can drink and what kind of clothing you can wear and how exactly you were to live out each holy day in the calendar. On the other end of the spectrum, you had those who had no problem eating whatever was placed before them. They had no idea about holy days. They could care less. They saw one day of the year just like the other day of the year. So there were cultural, religious, racial, and ethnic divide, some going back hundreds and hundreds of years, some even involving warfare and strife. As I read this passage during the week, I thought, how in the world would you be a pastor of that congregation? Talk about being tired. Would you like to be on the session of that congregation? Those would be some late night meetings, I assure you. All the while, to add to it, you had those on the outside of the congregation watching with much interest of how all of those people were going to get along and worship the same God. Paul looks to answer a very important question. He has quite a task on his hands. How do you help this diverse group of Christians to actually gather together together? and with one voice to lift up their praise of God. That's a huge task. So Paul looks to accomplish this task by reminding the church of what it should most hunger for, to glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice that? He said it three times through the passage. We are called as a church body to glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This should be the most important priority of the church. Everything that a church pursues, their gatherings, their programs, their ministries, how we spend our money, how we do stewardship, how we do mission, especially how we do worship, First and foremost, we should ask ourselves, how are we glorifying God? Are we glorifying God? That is the question that should come to mind in every single thing we do as a church. And to add to it, that should be the priority of every person within the church. To say this another way, to make sure that we are lifting up God as our greatest treasure in all of our life and in all of the universe. I tell you, when a church keeps this as the main purpose in their sight, makes this the purpose of her being and doing, all the other issues will start to take their proper place. Amen? Amen. Now, Paul goes on to teach how a church should feed this hunger in glorifying God. It's really a chain reaction. I saw it start there in the passage, and it kept working its way through. It starts with Scripture. It always starts with Scripture. He quotes five different Old Testament passages to make his point. Each of those passages was pointing to a central focus. Did you see it? The central focus of each of those verses was to point us to Jesus Christ, specifically the servant nature of Christ. He wanted to remind the people in that congregation of the one who rescued them. Jesus is the one who rescued both the Jew and the Gentile, the rich and the poor. Jesus is the one who rescues those who think they are strong and those who think they are weak. Scripture has a powerful way of bringing the true historical Jesus before us. This is the one who healed the sick, fed the hungry, cared for the destitute and the poor, delivered the oppressed. He even raised the dead, both Jew and Gentile, both the strong and the weak. And he didn't stop there, Paul says. This servant God would give the ultimate sacrifice to welcome us into His kingdom, into the body. He gave His life upon the cross. He gave His life on the cross so that we would be reconciled to our Father. We would be reconciled to one another. When a person, when a church comes to terms with the mercy and the grace that flows from the cross, there is something, I'm going to say it, there is something miraculous that happens. When we lived in despair, we live without hope, those things start to dissipate because those things are replaced by the hope of the gospel. Hope enters into our lives when we know that that sin no longer owns us. That I'm no longer the captain of my own life. That I know that my problems and all the things that I worry about in the future are taken care of because I no longer belong to all those different things. I don't belong to myself. I belong to God. And hope, hope starts rising up in our souls. It starts filling us up to the brim. And you know what follows right behind hope? What follows right behind hope is peace And joy and you know it because you've experienced it if you were in Christ you know what follows right behind hope peace and joy community because once hope peace and joy is in my life and I know that the servant God has saved this weak person I understand that I can gather together with other people who as well have been saved and we can join our voices together. Where there were many voices, there becomes one voice together because together we know the grace and mercy of God have welcomed us into His kingdom. Two years, two years, two weeks ago, I took 70 of our high schoolers and middle schoolers up to Forest Home Camp for a week of Christian camp. And I think that Wednesday night has become my favorite day at Forest Home. A couple of years ago, what they decided to do from 8 till 10 o'clock at night is set up all these different worship stations. And you can decide which worship station to go to at first, and they break us up into boys and girls. So I was with our 20 high school boys and four high school leaders, and we decided the first worship station we would go to was the encouragement station. This is powerful for high school boys. You ever spend time with high school boys? Not a whole lot of encouragement. So we sat in that circle, and for 45 minutes, we were encouraging one another. Some of those high school boys were in tears. We decided after that worship station, we would go to this tabernacle worship station. Forest Home had set up these tents like an Old Testament tabernacle. And as you walked through, you read what each of the different items in the tabernacle represented. Everything from the showbread to the altar to the lampstand. It was fascinating. And they led us to that last room, which is the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant would be. And they said in the reading, you'll notice the Ark of the Covenant is not in the Holy of Holies. You know what was there? The cross of Christ was there. And by the time we got to that room... We were breaking down, and we walked outside of that room, and there was no other choice but to put our arms around one another, all of our interests, all of our differences, all of our different ages. But there we were with our arms around one another, worshiping and thanking God for what He's done for us in Christ. God was glorified. So now you see it? When a church hungers for the glory of God, feeding on Scripture, eyes fixed on Jesus and the cross, the voices of the many become the voice of the one. Why? Because we understand that we have been welcomed into the family of God together. And community starts to happen. And when community starts to happen that's filled with joy and peace and hope, those who are out there will begin to notice what we're hungry for. And that aroma will start flowing. And people will start smelling it. And they'll start seeing Jesus in us. And they'll see that we're a welcoming community. And they'll want to be a part of it because they're going to want this hope as well. When we finished our shift that Sunday morning at Glyde Memorial Church. Because we helped out, they saved a couple of pews for us up in the balcony. And when they took us from the basement where we were serving the homeless, we came through a door just like this, walking in front of everyone. I smelled like chicken. (laughs) I looked terrible. We We all looked grubby. Our hair was a mess. And as we walked up those stairs, and I had all these different things in my mind, how are we going to get to the airport? How are we going to do this, that, and the other? I looked up, and I noticed something's going on. Something big time is going on. There were police lining that hallway. There were two policemen in front of the door. Police were surrounding the church, and then it hit me. Oh, my goodness. This is the first Sunday after the shooting in Charleston, South Carolina. This is predominantly an African-American church. And as we walked up those stairs and they opened the door, I looked up as I walked through the door, and this part of the church was filled with mayors from the mayor's convention. And we walked down the center aisle, and people were patting us on the back as we walked down the center aisle. We went up, and we sat in the pews, and you could feel... You could feel something happening in that sanctuary that morning. As they were singing, people were worshiping God, people were glorifying God. Something was happening there. And the pastor came up and he preached this message on reconciliation. There was no hatred there this, that morning. There was love and there was a welcoming spirit. and He preached the reconciliation of Christ. And then he challenged and looked out at the mayor of Kansas City and said, I think I've heard that you can sing. I've heard that you can sing. Come on up and sing Amazing Grace. And the mayor of Kansas City got up and he came up there and he sang like an angel. And we all got up on our feet, we put our hands up and we held each other's hands. Think of all the cultures, all the different races, all the different backgrounds. We were holding hands up in the air together hungry for the same thing hungry for the glory of god that has brought us together because we've been reconciled in christ we've been reconciled to one another and as i left there that morning i was hungry i was hungry for the glory of god hungry to go home and live to god's glory in my life and my family To live to God's glory here in our congregation, that together that aroma of Christ would rub off on us, that others would know of this sweet glory of God. Is that what you want for your life? That's what I want. That what you want for this church? That's what I want. As we continue to glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Amen? Amen, Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you have welcomed us into your blessed kingdom with all of our stories, all of our backgrounds, all the things that could divide. You bring us together with one voice because in common we have the cross of Jesus Christ, your blessed grace, and you as our God. So bless us. May we share this great aroma of Christ throughout our lives, our community, and this world. We ask this now in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward as we give of our tithes and offerings.
3: be consecrated, Lord, to
0: Thee. Lord, you bless us with your generous love, with the vision of your kingdom, healing and restoring the brokenness of all creation. So we ask that you would bless us and also disturb us with that vision of your kingdom. As we voice our hopes to you now, would you strengthen us and move us into action for your glory. We pray for all who will be part of the H2O group this week, for leaders, for students. We pray for safety and for wonderful conversations, for opportunities to grow in faith in you. We pray for our people who struggle with life, for the homeless, for the ministry of Glide Memorial Church, for the ministry of our alternative sleeping location in the canyon. We pray too for all who are homeless around the world because they're refugees, who are caught up in violence, for those who are in the way of natural disasters, the typhoon, Taiwan, and China, We pray for those who are ill, coping with pain, facing surgery, often fearing the worst, and for those who care for them, especially for those whose names we speak before you aloud now. And so as we bring you these gifts, we also bring you ourselves, asking that you will use them and that you will use us for your purposes in this world. Even as we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power
1: and the glory forever. Amen. Our hymn is, uh, closing hymn is a hymn to life, and the words are printed in your bulletin. You'll recognize the tune, it's the old Appalachian folk tune.
3: you yeah.
2: appreciate your prayers tomorrow we start our club h2o surf and bible camp we have 40 third fourth and fifth graders i've got 30 high school and college leaders whole other camp for them i suppose right and we're looking forward to a great week of studying the word learning to surf and having a most excellent time so pray for us if you will and now may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you.